As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sleeping with the Numbers podcast. Uh, this week, I'm not alone. Pat, you are back. I am. I didn't want to let you struggle anymore, so I decided to come back. I appreciate that. I was I was getting pretty lonely. So uh, we're recording on Sunday. Um, all of the afternoon games have finished up, so we kind of have an idea of how our picks went, how our fantasy teams did, stuff like that. So today's episode is really going to be just recapping how things have gone so far. And so with today's uh, first question, uh, what team surprised you this week? And by this week, I mean today. I, I guess we can even include Thursday's game. Yeah, um, I guess it's a two-parter because if we're going to include Thursday, I was a little surprised that the Buccaneers let the Cowboys get so close. Um, I kind of had a feeling that Zeke wasn't going to do much. I, I've i always felt that way. Um, I felt like you know everyone was assuming the line was going to come back healthy and that it was going to be fine. It was going to rush for like hundreds of yards, but he only got 33. Um, so that wasn't a shock to me, but the fact that the Cowboys were within two is a little shocking. I felt like the Buccaneers' pass defense didn't really live up to what I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. Um, in terms of games today, I mean, the blatantly obvious answer is the Packers. I was a little surprised that they got blown out. I wasn't. I wouldn't have been shocked if they lost. I think we talked about this, you know, a couple weeks ago. Whenever the Saints were projected to beat the Packers, um, we were a little curious, but we weren't like writing right. it off. Um, I just thought it was gonna be way closer with the offense that the Packers had. So, um, I think for me, that's the most shocking game. Yeah, I agree with that, and we'll get into it, but. Pat, our model picked the Saints to win, and that actually happened, which is kind of surprising. So right. overall, um, we'll get into it a bit more. We're at about you know 50% hit rate at the moment. But the games that it did hit uh, were a bit surprising. But I am with you for the Thursday night game. I thought that was a good deal closer than it was going to be. Um, at, by the end, I think the Buccaneers were nine-point favorites, which was just absurd uh we would never take that bet but the the model mm-hmm. did uh the other thing there is i don't think anyone expected dak to throw 58 passes and like you said uh the bucks secondary quarterbacks weren't able to do anything so maybe that's why they just kept gunning it out mm-hmm. um personally i think the cowboys probably should have won that game i'm pretty sure that was a push off by godwin um but tom brady kind of gets his way mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that you know the ship will be righted. I don't think the buck should be written off. I don't think this is like a, a warning flag or anything. I think it was just you know first season game, first game of the season. Everybody has their issues, mm-hmm. and I think Tampa will figure it out, and Dallas will come back down to earth. Yeah. So the other games that I kind of wanted to talk about that surprised me was uh, the Arizona Tennessee game. So I I think we both thought Tennessee was going to win this game. We thought it was going to be competitive, which yeah. it, it was for sure. But Arizona looked fantastic. So your pick of them making the playoffs, I love it. I'm glad cuz I really felt kind of bad, you know, after reading all the other, you know, so-called experts, their articles kind of writing the Cardinals off. I don't really think that there's anybody really thinking that they would go mm-hmm. any further. Um so I do feel glad that I at least felt like their potential was something that was real. I mean, they kind of showed it off today. Um, I think what's also kind of alarming is Derrick Henry only doing 58 mm-hmm. yards. Um, it seems like most of these games today had very, very low rushing totals for these massive lead backs. So that's 
a little concerning. I don't know if it's the NFL system. I don't know if it's just everyone's trying to get out and score early or what's going on. But I, I think that running backs have had a very, very bad week one overall. Yeah, it seems like the guys that did kind of live up to it was, I believe, Christian McCaffrey, the last I looked, um, was still at the top for at least half PPR. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case. I'm mm-hmm. going to take a look here real quick. But, you know, speak- uh, it looks like it might be Joe Mixon. He ended with. 127. Wow. Okay. But I, I'm, I buy that. That makes a lot of sense because I think Joe Mixon is probably the best player the Bengals have. I, you know, Jamar Chase looked really good today too, which I, I was a bit surprised with given how poorly he did uh, during preseason. But yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. So I got I got the current uh, fantasy stats up here. Uh, half PPR. McCaffrey ends up at one. Mix it two. Chubb three. Jamal Williams four. And I I'm kind of happy with that because um, there were some uh, Reddit questions that I asked and I told people to start Jamal so I can toot my horn there. Yeah. So you know you talk about the Arizona Cardinals and a lot of the experts writing them off. Another team that was written off by a lot of people and a lot of fans was the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with them beating Buffalo today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I alluded to it in a few episodes ago where I was really concerned with the Bills rushing attack. You know, we knew Josh Allen's capable of leading the charge. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, he did okay. He had some good runs to get some first downs. But, I mean, Devin Singletary, he got 72 yards, but he wasn't necessarily effective. Um, he didn't really allow for Pittsburgh's defense to like, grab his attention. Um, they were still focused on the passing game, and I think that's kind of why the Steelers won. They put a lot of really good pressure on Josh Allen and it forced him to not be able to do any really type of deep throws. Um, and I was kind of shocked based on the first half. I was I thought the Steelers were really going to get blown out. I thought Najee Harris did not play well. I thought Ben was going to be, you know, this is going to be a repeat of last year where Ben was just going to kind of do some dump passes and not really get anything going, but you know, we talked about Pat Fryermuth, um, how quickly would he be involved in the offense? And I saw a lot of Pat Fryermuth, and he had a really nice, you know, long play towards the end of the second half um, that, for me, kind of shows that there is some hope that the Steelers, like, are going to actually keep playing this way, and this wasn't just a lucky game. Yeah, and it's definitely a positive move going forward. I've always kind of said the Steelers are a one-half team. I don't know why it's always mm-hmm. been like that, but it's either they choose to play in the first half or they choose to play in the second half. It is never both, and it's been that way for years. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it kind of seems like it's always been that way. So after halftime, we figured out what was going wrong with us, and we pieced it back together. We were able to get um, so, some good passing we never really got the run game going um i think Mm -hmm. part of that might be about our somewhat weaker offensive line um but i I think they'll figure they'll figure that out but the pass game i think look look phenomenal yeah and i mean i think that we saw you know a, a repeat of the Pitt panthers former offense you know a lot of jet sweeps a lot of plays like that. And I think that the Steelers will eventually start realizing that if they put Najee maybe out in like a wide receiver position, they can get some good just sweet runs and it might be more effective than having him line up behind Ben. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes sense. I, I would like to see them kind of in a shotgun set with Najee right next to Ben and they, maybe they do some draw plays to kind of uh, get the linebackers off of him, open up some holes for him to, to push forward. But um the other team that I want to talk about, and this can be a segue into mm-hmm. our betting results. So uh, okay. Houston, Jacksonville. 
Now, we, when I was reading off the model picks last week, um, I was surprised a bit by Houston being picked by the model to win. And of course, if you pick the underdog for a win, you pick them for the spread and the over 44 and a half. Pat, we hit on all three of those for the model. Now, the question becomes, is this just uh, two bad teams up against each other and the less bad team wins? Or do you think the Texans are actually going to show something this year? You know, I I would like to see Houston play a more reputable defense before I go any further and answer that question. Um, what's surprising is we've kind of made jokes about Brandon Cooks not you know, ever really becoming the player that he was really supposed to be. He kind of is always on a, a decent team and he gets like decent fantasy points, but he's never really like that guy that we were always told he was going to become. He ended up with 132 yards, an average of 26.4 yards per catch, which is kind of crazy. Um, I don't think that's going to repeat itself. I also don't think Mark Ingram running for 85 yards is going to repeat himself. Um, so I, I like to think that Houston got a little lucky. I, I don't think they're horrible. I think whenever we did the over-unders for, you know, the season wins, I, I think I was kind of hesitant to, like, write the Texans off and be, like, the worst team. Um, I definitely know that they're bad. But, I mean, I, I do think that at the end of the day, these are professionals, and you can't assume that they're just going to, like, roll over and die. I mean, Tyrod Taylor isn't the best quarterback, but he's good enough that he was going to be the starter for the Chargers last year. And, I mean – I mean, I think he did pretty good. He had a QBR of 76.6, um, 291 in terms of passing yards and two touchdowns. So I think that he's going to be competent, and the Texans are at least be competitive in the game. Now, are they, they going to go over 500? Probably not. Um, but I think it just exposes how bad Jacksonville is, you know, trading away Joe Sherbert to the Steelers and not really doing anything to address that defense. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, you got rookie sensation Trevor Lawrence having a pretty mm-hmm. poor game. You know, he had three interceptions, but he had three touchdowns as well. 53 mm-hmm. passing attempts and only 28 of them completed for 332 yards. Now, the again, probably the reason his pass attempts are so high is because they were just down. Every play had to be a pass yeah. in order to just stay competitive. And I spoke to this yesterday, yesterday, last week. Um, when I was talking about Trevor Lawrence and I, it's a tough thing for him, not only for him being on a poor team, but with who I think is a poor coach. So I am worried about Trevor Lawrence going forward. All right. So next game we'll talk about here is the Arizona Tennessee game. Our machine learning model picked uh, Tennessee the win. They ended up losing by quite a bit, 25 points, which of course allowed us to hit the Arizona plus three spread. And the over under was over 52 for our model pick and they ended up with 51. So uh, annoying, annoying to only get so close, but not close enough. Um, But overall, probably the most entertaining game of the day, I thought. Um, Kyler really is something special, and I think you made a, a great pick for them to, to go to the playoffs this season. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, something else I did in our Dynasty League that, you know, I think people kind of laughed whenever I did it, but I, hand, or I handcuffed Chase Edmonds and James Conner, and I'm glad I did because James Conner actually outcarried Chase Edmonds today. Um, even though his average yards was two yards less, um, I do think that that's probably going to be something we're going to see all season. So if you do play fantasy and you do have Chase Edmonds and James Connors available, you might just want to grab him because it doesn't look like anyone's really trying to make themselves a number one back in Arizona. 
Yeah, and, and that's, that's a little bit why I kind of stayed away from them because at least early on, I feel like it is going to be that split. And in any form of PPR, I think Chase Edmonds might be the guy. But, you know, watching Connor today, like you said, it, it seems like he was always getting the ball. Um, so we'll, we'll see how healthy he can stay. But uh, that'll be interesting to watch as we move forward. Either way, uh, powerful offense, fast paced. Tennessee was not able to do a thing about them. So the next game here, we have the Indianapolis Colts versus the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the model picked Indianapolis to win, and they were the underdog. They he did not win. Seattle kind of uh, worked them quite a bit, uh, 28 to 16, uh, which that spread was not enough to be covered with the two and a half points to Indy, not enough. Uh, we also did not hit the over. We picked the over 48 and a half points, and they only ended up with 44. So pretty close, just a, you know, almost a one score uh <laughs> To get us to the cat, <laughs> almost a one score to get us to uh, to the over, but you know, just another near miss for, for that game. Um, Tyler Lockett looked great, Russ looked good. Uh, DK didn't do a thing till the end, but you know, you, any takeaways from that, Pat, especially on the Indianapolis side of the ball? I know we disagreed about Carson, and I think I was right. Yeah, um, he didn't look that great. Um, it doesn't look like really Indianapolis's offense, in my opinion, did really anything. I mean, if your number one back only gets 56 yards and your newly extended, you know, I guess, backup running back only gets 99 for 34, um, granted he did get six receptions for 48 yards, that's not very good. Um, you know, Zach Pascal had two touchdowns, but other yeah. than that, the receiving core did not really do anything to make Carson Wentz's life easier. Um so I think it's going to be, you know, a couple games for Indianapolis to hopefully get warmed up. I'm not going to give up on Carson, but, you know, for right now, you're correct. You made the right call. Um, and I think that we shouldn't have always, you know, not been surprised with Seattle. I mean, we know they're good. Um, like you said, DK didn't really dominate the game. He saw the touchdown. I guess really what we just need to find out is, is Seattle actually good like we assume that they were or is Indianapolis just that bad and we're just you know assuming that since they're in the AFC South they have a good chance of making the playoffs yeah that's a good question and and you know you bring up Pascal being kind of the number one guy there where everyone here thought it was going to be Michael Pittman and I put Pittman in a lot of DFS lineups and I got nothing from him um so I'm curious if that stays the case moving forward if it or if he was just a guy who was open today yeah, especially, you know, T.Y. will eventually be back. So I would like to see how this receiver core shakes out whenever he does return because I don't think really there's going to be a number one dog in this, you know, team because um, we also have to remember that Paris Campbell does exist too. So I, I think they're probably just going to take turns being the number one guy until T.Y. shows back up. Yeah, it'll, it will, we'll keep an eye on them, kind of like the situation in Arizona with the running backs. So uh, next game here, we got Washington uh, football team against the L.A. Chargers. The model picked Washington, who lost by four points. Uh, we also took the uh, football team plus one that also did not hit. And we took the over 44 and a half, which also did not hit. This one was a bit more off. Um, they only scored a total of 36 points. However, I think this is a bit of, of a fluke because Fitzpatrick got hurt pretty early. And I, I believe if he stayed in this game, it would have been uh, not that it wasn't competitive, but it would have been a lot more of a shootout, I believe. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, 
I think that you're right in saying that Taylor Heineke is probably not the best choice in terms of, you know, making that Washington offense as potent as Fitzpatrick. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, missing the over by as much as we did is just something we'll have to consider. Um, you know, in terms of the Chargers, I, I think that, again, a number one lead back, again, went under 100 yards. Um, and that's just something we're just going to figure out. Like, it, it seems like a lot of these games today were teams, like, really pass heavy. Um, you know, Justin Herbert went 47 attempts. And I'm not sure if the reason for that is just the situation in terms of like, no, everybody trusts their offensive line, or if it's just a very fluky type of week. Um, so I'd be curious to see how that goes. Um, Washington, however, did go super run heavy. Antonio Gibson with 20 carries. Taylor Heineke only threw 15 times, but it didn't really matter. I mean, he still was fairly effective, 11 for 15 with a touchdown, 122. So I, I think as long as Fitzpatrick comes back, Washington should still you know, pan out and be a super contender for the NFC East. Um, if Tyler Heineke is going to be the starter, they're going to have to really balance that attack out and not make sure that's all Antonio Gibson. Yeah, it. I, I'm looking at these stats here, and that's why I took a pause because I'm really surprised. Eckler didn't get a single target this game, and as we know, Austin Eckler's kind of bread and butter is being a pass catcher, so he didn't get a single target this game, and that is obviously why he, he ended up, you know, lower than expected um, in, in fantasy points. Uh, it looks like he, in half point PPR, he only got eleven point seven. Um, he looked great on on the ground, though. You know, he averaged three point eight per carry, which isn't terrible. Um, split a little bit of work with Roundtree, but even more so on the Chargers. Uh, the receivers looked awesome, both Mike Williams and um, and Keenan Allen. And I'm worried a little bit about Eckler if that's where Herbert is going to go. If Herbert's going to act, you know, kind of like a Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, someone who who targets wide receivers early and often, and, and that kind of seems like the type of quarterback he is. Yeah, I agree with that. So I guess we'll find out as the season progresses. Um, I don't see Austin Eckler being irrelevant in the offense for too long. Um, I think you know teams will eventually start pressing their receiver core a little bit more, and he should have some openings. So I, I think that this is probably just one game that's just unlikely for him for you know any type of fancy relevance, but I think he'll be back. Okay, yeah, let's move on to the next game. So this was Carolina versus the Jets. Um, the model said that Carolina was going to be the outright winner. We got that accurate. That the spread of minus five would go to Carolina. It pushed, which to me is still a win because the model was technically accurate, to pick that. Um, and under 45, we also got that right because the total score is only 33. So to me, I, I think that we kind of knew that this game wasn't really going to be high scoring with Zach Wilson, you know, not really having ever played in the NFL before and Sam Darnold being on a new team. Um, so I'm not really shocked that we got this one right. I think it was pretty easy guess in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I really liked watching this game. Pat, I'm not sure if you watched uh, my episode last week, but I picked... Uh, um, Sam Darnold as a uh, dark horse for my comeback player. Um, and I was really happy with how he performed today. Yeah, I think he did pretty well. I mean, you know, for your first game in a new offense to, you know, get a victory is, you know, hard enough, let alone be fairly competent. Um, so I, I think that he did a good job of utilizing McCaffrey, um, getting the mm -hmm. most out of him. And 
it seems like, you know, outside of Robbie Anderson's, you know, deep bomb, he at least tried to spread the ball around a little bit. So that's always promising for that offense that it's not going to be one dimensional. Yeah. And speaking of McCaffrey back to that running back one form, he carried 21 times for 98 yards and got nine receptions for 89 yards, which you don't expect wow. anything less from him. Um, no touchdowns, but he didn't need it. He is still currently in half point PPR, um, the number one running back. So so Corey Davis is another t- uh, player I was really impressed with. He got five receptions on seven targets for 97 yards and two touchdowns. So he looked fantastic, and it looks like Zach Wilson kind of found his favorite target here. Yeah, and I mean, I think that I'm not super shocked because it kind of goes to like who is the – you know, outstanding wide receiver in this group. Who's the guy who is proven? And it's Corey Davis because, I mean, Braxton Berrios, Denzel Mims, they're, they've been in the NFL, but they don't really do anything. Um, I, I think it's not super shocking to me that Corey Davis stood out. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be as dominant as he was, but I, I'm not shocked that he ended up being the number one target. Yeah, I, th- I think for more so a full PPR uh, he's a, he's a solid play going forward. Um, now the Jets' backfield looked awful. You had a three-headed, I don't even want to call him a monster, a three-headed uh, uh, baby, <laughs> and they had uh, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter splitting carries. Now during all draft season, Michael Carter was really the only one actually drafted, and it was way earlier Tevin Coleman might have been drafted depending on your league but usually he was left a free agency Tevin Coleman is the starter on the depth chart and they used him as such I mean he only got nine carries for 24 yards whereas Michael Carter the guy who was drafted pretty high only got four carries for six yards and this is why you have to look at these depth charts and I know you know maybe you can say oh that's just paper it doesn't really matter but it, it absolutely did in this case. Uh, Tevin Coleman was the first string. Michael Carter is the third string. And that's exactly how it went. Yeah, agreed. So I think as the season progresses, we'll kind of get an idea who the number one back is in New York. But right now, I wouldn't play any of them if I was playing fantasy. Yeah, it's definitely not worth so, it. So, yeah. Uh, moving on to the next game. Uh, we kind of talked about this already. Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Uh, we had the model take Buffalo minus 280. Uh, for us as fans, I'm glad that we missed, but it stinks that the model missed. Um, we also missed the over of 48 and a half. Um, the game ended up about 39 points. And then we did have the Steelers winning with a spread of plus 6.5. So I think for me, what this shows us is that the model kind of thought this was going to be a shootout. And I kind of thought it was going to be the way that the game started, but just a lot of really bad luck on the offense in terms of Josh Allen and Ben not completing passes when they needed to and both running games being atrocious, at least for the first half. Yeah, neither team really looked great. Ben, Ben especially when passing the ball in that first half. You know, overall he went 18 for 32, 188 yards with one touchdown. Uh, not great. Even worse is... Najee Harris, a guy that we expect big things from. I have him as a dark horse for rookie of the year pick. Um, I still think he can have – he'll definitely have more opportunities going forward, but um, this is not what you want to see for your first game out there. No, and and I agree with you. I think that eventually he'll figure it out. Um, I think that it was probably naive of us to assume that a – a rookie running back was going to have a great game his first time out, especially against a good team. 
Um, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think that as the game or as the season progresses, the line will kind of flow a little bit better because I noticed the commentators are making points about, oh, look at Najee. He's so patient waiting for the play to develop. But to me, it's like, I think the real problem is that he had to wait for the play to develop a lot. Like the line did, did not give him the holes when he needed it. So he did yeah. make some things happen, but I do think as the season goes, I think that offense will be a little bit more, you know, in tune with one another and they'll be able to at least give him some better holes to run through. Yeah. And I think the next two weeks are going to be a bit easier for him. We have the Raiders next week and then the Bengals. So two probably easier matchups for, for the running back situation. Yeah. Agreed. So our next game, uh, it was Bengals and Minnesota. Uh, the model picked Cincinnati plus three. Uh, we got that one because obviously Cincinnati won. Um, what we missed was Minnesota winning outright. Um, they obviously lost by three. And then the over of 40, over 48, we did hit that as well. Um, I was a little shocked when I saw the over because I, I kind of thought Cincinnati wasn't going to be as good of an offense as they showed. But Joe Burrow looked pretty decent. Um, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the show. Uh, Joe Mixon actually playing fairly well. I mean, I know that we talked about how he was going to be a workhorse, but I mean, he was the number two back in fantasy and deservingly so. He did pretty good with an average of 4.4 yards per carry. So you brought this up as well with Jamar Chase. Do you think that Cincinnati is actually good or is Minnesota just bad? It has to be a mixture of both. I think Joe Burrow came back stronger than a lot of people expected off that ACL tear. And he did look, he looked great. He really did. Um, 20 completed passes out of 27, 261 and two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is really the big thing there. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the other th thing is we talked about Mixon being a workhorse and he got 29 carries and 29 carries and four receptions for 33 touches. I don't know if there is anyone I will have to look at these stats, but I don't think there's anyone that came close to the, that amount of touches. That's absurd. So uh, having a workhorse back in the NFL in 2021 is pretty rare. There's only a couple of them, uh, Mixon, Henry, uh, Dalvin probably. Well, Dalvin for sure, actually. He got 20 carries. The other running backs got one apiece. Um, but as far as Cincinnati actually being good, I don't think I they're better than Minnesota. I'll say that, <laughs> that, that works, but yeah. um, they need to play a stronger team uh, before I actually say anything, but I, I was impressed today. Yeah. And to kind of answer your question, uh, the next highest carries was Mark Ingram with 26. That's a little surprising. Um, wow. Not really though, because Mark Ingram was pretty solid when he did play in Baltimore. He didn't actually get a lot of touches, but when he did get touches, he was pretty good. So, um, just kind of shocked that they kind of led the way in terms of, you know, usage. Um, but I guess in terms of shocking things, I, I think the number one game, we didn't really talk about this when we talked about, you know, what this is the most surprising thing, um, was just how bad Atlanta was today. Um, yeah. Our model was kind of shocked as well because we took Atlanta to win outright, Atlanta minus three, and over 48. We missed all three. Um, the total points yeah. was 38. So I guess for me, like, is the fact that, you know, there's no Todd Gurley anymore, um, is that really the problem? Is that Atlanta is one-dimensional and they figured that they're just going to try to pass it to Ridley and Pitts the whole entire time? Or do you think that Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts are actually going to kind of be contending for the NFC East? Um, yeah, this, this is a tough one. I 
don't think the problem is that they don't have Gurley anymore. I think the problem is that they don't have a run game at all. And even if Gurley was there, they still wouldn't have a run game. When your top rusher is Cordero Patterson, <laughs> that that's a problem. And I, I remember yeah. they cut to a play on the NFL red zone where Mike Davis was trying to go up, you know, the four hole or something like that. And he just got blown up. Mike Davis seems to be a little dude <laughs> and he just got taken down immediately. And I, he got taken down a lot this game. He was not very impressive. And um, I think a lot of people were shocked, not only by Atlanta's poor play, but by Philadelphia's fantastic play. I made comments last week about how I was worried about Jalen Hurts because I thought, you know, the way he makes his um his fantasy points is on the ground with his legs. And I'm like, okay, it, I he can he do that and in a game where they're expected to to be trailing. And because they weren't trailing, because they were winning most of this game, he was able to use his legs. He went seven carries for 62 yards, which is awesome. He even passed 27 times for 264 and three touchdowns. No interceptions. And honestly, maybe even the biggest thing is the rookie Smith going six for 71 and one. That is also impressive. Now, we knew he was a stud coming out of college, but we were worried about him coming into the season. So I think this is a turning point for um, Philadelphia. Moving on to our next game, uh, San Francisco and Detroit. The model did pretty well. Um, we had San Francisco outright. Um, we had Detroit plus seven and a half, and that just missed because they lost by eight. And then we got the over 45 accurate because they had 74 points total. Um, I think for me, and probably what everyone else is going to do is look at Elijah Mitchell for fantasy. Because um, he and Mostert didn't do anything, really. Um, and we kind of talked about you know how he's sort of like a glass house. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that this San Francisco backfield's wide open. If you picked Raheem Mostert, assuming he was going to have like a breakout year, you were probably wrong again. Um, but it was nice to see Trey Lance, you know, one for one with the touchdown. Uh, <laughs> I think that he's, you know, kind of playing to the fans a little bit and they just wanted to let everybody know that, yeah, we're going to groom him and he's going to be in there soon. So. Yeah. I I'm curious here. Um, we always knew Mostert was not going to stay healthy. It really anyone in San Francisco just doesn't stay healthy. Um, I think this game was more of a showcasing for Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, trying to be, mm-hmm. tell the other teams, Hey guys, you know, he's still really good. You want to trade for him? Come on. And uh, so we'll see what that what happens there because Trey Lance is the future. They can't keep paying Jimmy. He's he's way too expensive with that contract. But that's also a reason why a lot of other people aren't looking at him. Um, so uh, Jimmy looked good. Trey looked good on his one pass. Debo looked incredible. And this, I think, was a right. shocker to all, especially fantasy players. Everyone thought um, uh, Ayuk was going to be the one. He didn't catch a single pass. He got a goose egg. And guess who started him in one of his uh, fantasy lineups? <laughs> was it me or you? I forget. Because that fell app crashed, so we have no idea. <laughs> it, it was me. But it's okay. I also had Debo in one in one league, so that helped. I, I'm pretty sure I started Ayuk as well, thinking the exact same thing. So I'm with you on that. I was a little shocked that he was just so irrelevant. Um but yeah, I mean, we saw last year that Debo's a pretty good wide receiver, so I'm not shocked he did well. It's more just the polar opposites in terms of usage. Yeah. 
So moving on from that game, uh, Browns and Chiefs, uh, the model did okay. Uh, we took Kansas City outright. Uh, the model did Kansas City minus six. They only won by four, which is close, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and then we got the over 53 correct. Um, I think we kind of knew that this game was going to be a good game. Um, mm-hmm. To me, nothing really shocks me. Uh, Patrick Mahomes played well. Tyreek Hill went off. Nick Chubb went off. I, I think that this is the one game this entire week that was pretty, you know, on script. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I absolutely do. And when, you know, I was talking through the model picks last week, um, we hit that Kansas City minus six. And I'm like, I don't think so. That's a lot of points. And Cleveland was close with them the last time they played in the playoffs. And they were close with them in this game and were beating them up pretty good until um, Mahomes figured it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think both those teams will be really good for the AFC. And I'm excited to watch them going forward. Uh, moving on to the next game, Giants and Broncos. Uh, we went 0 for 3 on this one. Uh, the model did not do very well. So we had New York as outright over 41 and a half and New York plus 3. New York lost by 14 and the total points was 40. So just missed the over. Um, but honestly, I didn't want to ever put any money on this game because I had zero faith that anything from Denver was going to go well just because everything's so new in terms of the running backs and the quarterback. And we know that the Giants were kind of, you know, playing it off as if, you know, Saquon may or may not play the whole entire time. And he ended up with 10 carries. So he was basically irrelevant this entire game. Yeah, that, that's really a shame. On um, on Friday, I, I did a question of the day for myself and I said, which running back has the most bust potential? And it is Saquon Markley. Um, not only with the injury risk, but also I, I stated, even if he does play when he comes back, it is not the same team that he left when he was, you know, the Saquon Barkley that everyone thinks of. And maybe they were just easing him in today. Um, but this is something you got to look at moving forward. Now, the other takeaway that I was slightly surprised with, because it was always kind of a question in, of, uh, Who's the number one running back in Denver and who's the number one receiver in Denver? And we expected Gordon to kind of be the leader with Javante taking some of that work away. Basically a one-two punch. And going forward, it might be more even. Um, Javante actually got more carries of four, with 14 yards to Melvin Gordon's 11. Now, Melvin Gordon popped off a long 70-yard run. Uh, giving him a total yardage of 101 yards to Javante's 45. So moving on to the next game, I think the one that shocked us the most but didn't really shock the model uh, was the Saints and the Packers. Uh, we got Saints outright. Uh, we missed the over by nine points because Green Bay didn't want to play football today. Mm-hmm. And we got the Saints with a plus 4.5 um, accurate as well. So I, I we kind of talked about this. A um, little bit shocked that the Packers didn't really do anything. And I guess my question to you is, is it because Aaron was kind of in this contract dispute? Do you think that there's just a lack of chemistry or do you think that there's something really wrong with Green Bay? Um, I, it's hard to say it's a lack of chemistry, right? Because a lot of the same people are there. Um, Aaron Jones is still there. Devontae Adams still there. They said, hey, bring back Randall Cobb because I like him. And he's back. You know, he only gave him one target for one reception. So I, a lot of the pieces are there that he's worked with in the past. So I don't think that that's it. I think he just, 
Um, I don't know what he was doing during that time, during the dispute. You know, maybe he was training for Jeopardy or something, but he was not the Aaron Rodgers that we expected. He looked, he looked awful. I mean, if you're you're getting benched for Jordan Love, um, something's wrong there. And on the other side of the ball, everything went right. Jameis Winston is the starter in the starter uh, title now has meaning to it because Taysom Hill was only out there for uh, one passing play and he also carried the ball two times. So Jameis is the starter going forward. And I love that. Um, picked him up very late on, on a few of my teams just because of this possibility. Um, the second thing is uh, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is fantastic. And I think honestly, he might be the number two uh, this season behind Christian McCaffrey at this rate. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw last season that Alvin's pretty good. And I think that, you know, James doing a really good job with a lot of touchdowns. I'm um, showing that he is, like you said, the number one guy. Um, they are going to rely heavily on Kamara throughout the season. So if you're able to have him in fantasy, if you can make a trade for him, I think now's the time because I think people are going to really start to, take Jameis seriously in terms of, you know, defense. So it might allow for Alvin to have a little bit more room to run. So the last game for today that we had the model pick was Miami and New England. Um, we hit two of three. We got Miami plus three, Miami outright, and then we missed the over. Um, this is a pretty low-scoring game. Not really shocked because we didn't really know what to expect from Mac, And I think that we kind of knew that the Dolphins' offense was okay, but we didn't really know what to expect from two either. Um, so I'm not really – shocked i'm a little little surprised that damian harris was the dominant back you know i think we're so used to new england having like this running back core that we thought okay he's going to be the number one guy but you know there's Ramondre stevenson brandon bolden all these other guys that can take away from him and that didn't really happen he had 23 of 30 total carries for the patriots so i i think that what we're seeing is that the patriots are going to kind of let mac lead himself you know work into like a, an offense, but they can rely on the run game and have mm -hmm. a dominant running game. It seems like. Yeah. I, and I, I love it. It's about time they did that because they have a, a pretty good offensive line that can allow a running back to do work. And Damian Harris is 23 carries is that workhorse level. Um, did he catch any mm -hmm. balls? He caught two balls for 17 yards. So that that's a lot of work for someone you, you could get mid to late in, in your draft. So if you got him, congratulations. They got rid of Cam and completely turned this team into something different. Now they lost. Um, it, it's interesting to think why they lost. It kind of seemed like a defensive battle. Tua did not look good at all. Waddle looked great, which surprised me a bit. Um, but Tua overall looked like the worst quarterback in this game. And I kind of expect that moving forward. I think, I think new England can get this one back when they play again. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Mac will eventually, you know, get himself in a better groove and be able to take less pressure off Damian Harris to control the game. But I do want to, to my order real quick before we move on. Nelson Aguilar was the number one receiver for the Patriots, five receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. So I don't want to brag, but I do feel like that's what's going to be, you know, the, the thing going forward now is he's going to be the number one guy, Jacoby Myers, you know, the number two. And James White was the number two statistically, <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's going to happen every game. Yeah, that, that was interesting. They, he, Mac did a great job of spreading the ball around. You know, nine targets to Myers, mm -hmm. seven to Aguilar, seven to White. Um, it, it'll be 
you got the two tight ends there as well, and both of them getting targets. So this is a an interesting team, but you expect nothing less from Belichick. Right. So before I move on to fantasy, we'll just tell you what we have coming up for Baltimore and Vegas. Uh, the model's predicting Baltimore minus four and a half, Baltimore to win outright, and then a total score of over 51. I think that definitely Baltimore winning is a great pick. Um, not sure about the over 51 because I'd like to see if the Raiders are going to have a competent offense. I feel like this could be, you know, what kind of plagued us today where we have teams that win and we know that they're going to win, but the other team just doesn't want to show up. So I guess we'll find out tomorrow how that's going to go. Yeah, I've been, I've been fading on this pick, you know, as the week keeps going forward. It just seems like something goes wrong for Baltimore every day. You know, they lost J.K. Dobbins. They lost Gus Edwards. They lost... Uh, one of their quarterbacks for the whole season. So it's it might be a rough ride for them. And uh, during the Monday night football game tomorrow, it, it'll be telling to see what kind of team they are. I think they'll still win, but I do not think that they'll stay that high-scoring offense. And, and maybe the under might be the better pick here. Yeah, agreed. Because we don't know what Ryan Beth are going to put out because they signed Latavius Murray – um, and Le'Veon, and Devontae Freeman, and they had, you know, running backs on the team already. So we don't know what the run game is going to look like. Um, and we kind of know that their receiving core is good, but, I mean, it's nothing to write home about. We know Lamar's not the best passer. So we'll see going forward. I think you're right, though. I don't think the Ravens are going to be as dominant as we expected them to be with all the injuries that they've dealt with already. Yeah, and so moving on to the fantasy, we're basically going to run through kind of the suggestions I gave the people and see how badly I, I screwed up their team. Um, so, uh, and and that's where we start. And uh, I feel really, really, really bad about this one. Uh, so this person asked uh, Jalen Hurts or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I told them to stick with Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and I feel like I probably cost them a win if they listen to me. So I, I'm sorry about that. Everything pointed towards Aaron Rodgers, um, but that that is on me. I, I do apologize, but you know, at least I wasn't the only one thinking that. Uh, Pat, Pat, if you had to pretend you didn't know what you know now, would you have taken Hertz? No, absolutely not. I, I had Rodgers yeah. on my team, and actually. You know, I have Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and I was actually having a legitimate debate with myself, saying, who am I going to play? Because Cleveland's a better defense. Why would I not play Rodgers? Like, he's going to have 500 yards and 10 touchdowns. This is what's going to happen. So I, I don't think you made the wrong assumption. I think Aaron Rodgers just kind of screwed you over. Yeah, and I'm going to let him know about it. <laughs> uh, so the the next pick here, uh, these are going to be quarterback picks for, the, for these few. So uh, Justin Herbert. Or Ryan Tannehill. So I told him, like, hey, this is going to be a close one. I don't think you go wrong either way. I lean Herbert, but it is very close. So I was technically wrong on this one as well, depending on your scoring settings. Ryan Tannehill got 15.18 points. Herbert got 14.38. So, you know, 0.8 difference. Not not terrible, but um, that one was just too close to, to call here. Um, this, this next one here... Uh, I'm going to call it a wash because Fitzpatrick got hurt. Um, but it was Kirk Cousins versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. No one could have, you know, you don't predict injuries. It just doesn't 
that's not something you can do. Um, so I told him Kirk is a safer play here, but I think Fitz has more upside. And he did respond to me and said he was going with Fitz this week. So sorry about that one, but you know, that that's on him getting hurt. He shouldn't be old and playing football. <laughs> so, um, so getting into the running back questions here. So we had a 12 team half point PPR and this one is kind of, to be determined, but it was Josh Jacobs or Daryl Henderson. So I I leaned Daryl Henderson and said to go with that just because I don't really know what's going on in the backfield for the Raiders. And also Baltimore is a solid defense. So since, you know, we don't really have the outcome of this one, Pat, what, what would you choose here? Well, I'm looking at the box score right now because it's the second half of the game. And mm-hmm. Daryl Henderson's the only running back with carries. Um Okay. So I think that you may have made the right choice. I don't think he's going to stay end the game with four carries or six yards, but I do think that he's going to be the feature back. Um, we can't assume that Sonny Michelle is going to come in and dominate. Like he was good for the Patriots when he played, um, but we know that he has some injury issues and he's probably used in short down situations. So I think you made the right choice just because we know that Josh Jacobs had a good fantasy relevance for a little bit, but I don't know if that's going to end up being the case with Kenyon Drake being there. Yeah, so TBD uh, right now, I I, th- I think we're good. Now, uh, next question here, also including Henderson. This one is a full PPR. So he asked Henderson uh, versus the Bears or DeAndre Swift versus the 49ers. I told him DeAndre Swift, and I'm tooting my horn already because he went off uh, for full PPR. DeAndre Swift got uh, 24.4 points, and I'm going to go ahead and say right now Daryl Henderson is not getting that in this game. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, Daryl Henderson might have a good game, but he's definitely not going to get that type of target share, especially because we can already see from the box score that Daryl Henderson only has one reception, one target. Now it's for 17 yards, which is pretty good. But, I mean, he's definitely not the guy in that offense in terms of passing. So I think you made the right call. And, Pat, uh, I'll ask this one to you as well because this was an interesting question. It really wasn't a start-sit question. It was – who is the easier drop in case I want to nab a player off of free agency last minute, Tevin Coleman or Wayne Gallman? So I told him uh, kind of what we talked about earlier when we were looking at the Jets. I said, Coleman is technically the starter right now. All the hype is around Carter, but he is third on the depth chart at the moment. And as much as it sucks, you probably don't want to drop a starter. Wayne Gallman was just picked up by Atlanta and is likely still adjusting to the team. I actually think he was inactive um, for this game today. So I told him if you got to drop one, drop Gallman. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, we kind of know that Wayne Gallman has had his moments in fantasy when he was on New York, but I don't see that working out. We kind of know that when running backs first join teams, it takes a little bit for them to get accustomed to things. And, you know, it's kind of tough because we know the Jets have a crowded backfield, but I do think that of the two, you're going to take the guy who's been with that team the entire offseason. Yeah, definitely. And and after kind of looking at uh, Atlanta's backfield today, they need Gallman. And it, it, it might end up in the exact same situation where there's just it's too crowded of the backfield and you can't start any one. So next question here. This is a flex question. Half PPR, 12 team. Uh, pick one running back and any other. So he lists out Saquon Barkley, Chase Edmonds, Marvin Jones, Neim Hines, Giovanni Bernard, Russell Gage. So I told him, I'm like, you have to start Barkley. You have to. It is a hard thing to do. 
um, being scared with the injury risk and, and everything I talked about before with him not coming back to really the same team he left. But you got to start your studs. You know, you draft him late first, you know, first half of the second round. Um, and you have too much draft capital in him for him to sit on the, your bench. So I said, you got to start Barkley. Uh, that did not work too well. Um, but for the second part there, I said, uh, start Chase Edmonds. Um, he should be the cast pitching back and is technically the starting running back. Will definitely be a share, uh, a timeshare with Connor, but he should be the pass catching guy, which matters. So, uh, Barkley didn't end up very well, but Chase Edmonds, where is he at? He ended up with 14.9 and four full PPR, which is currently the running back 13. So not terrible. Um, I'm glad he. I didn't go with my other choice here, which I said I like Russell Gage against Philadelphia. Uh, he got a goose egg, so <laughs> good pick there. Uh, w- would you have kind of gone the same same uh, path? Yeah, because we kind of talked about this with Tevin Coleman, and we kind of talked about this with Wayne Gallman. You know, Giovanni Bernard's on a new team. He only had two receptions, three targets didn't have a rush. Um, I think we kind of should have known that Leonard Fournette was going to be the feature guy um, because we know that Ronald Jones was decent. But towards the end of the season when Tampa's in a playoff runs, Leonard Fournette was the guy, and he's going to remain the guy until otherwise, you know, shown that he's not the guy. Um, Naheem Hines, he he always has, like, some good games where he kind of goes off, but I, I wasn't super shocked that he didn't, you know, outpace Jonathan Taylor because they invested so much in Taylor. They're not going to let Hines, you know, dominate that attack. Um, so I think that I probably would have, you know, went the same route that you did. And I'm kind of surprised in Atlanta's offense overall. So I, I expected some more from Gage, but yeah. um, I think that that will fix itself in the long run. Um, we did see that he had two targets. He just didn't catch anything. Yeah. Um, so it seems like that Atlanta's offense is just kind of a mess and, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. And I think that Gage will eventually kind of leapfrog, you know, Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson in terms of receiving. So he's going to be that number three or four guy behind Ridley, Pitts, and Hurst. Yeah, that, that's fair. And, you know, knowing what we know now, it looks like the correct picks would have been Marvin Jones and Chase Edmonds. So Marvin Jones did pretty well, um, even though their team did not. Uh, in full PPR, he got 18.7. Um, but, you know, one or two for that, not terrible. Geo, like you said, that's not someone you can start. The only reason he got in there is because uh, – Rojo fumbled. Uh, this is a same exact question. So someone asked Swift or Henderson. We already said that Swift and that one went well. Uh, getting into the wide receiver questions, full PPR. Uh, pick three. Stefan Diggs, Robert Woods, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, D. Jax, A.B. So if he didn't start A.B., I got I got to this question a little late. I said, you have to start Diggs. Now, he didn't have the best game today, but you're not benching mm-hmm. Diggs. He still did 15.9, which... And full PPR is the wide receiver 27, so in that uh, wide receiver three range. But you're not going to bench him. And then the next one is Robert Woods, who is playing right now. Uh, Do we have how many he got? Robert Woods has no receptions, but he has one carry for seven yards. So that doesn't seem to be going great at the moment. Uh, So I told him Diggs, Woods, and then the third. If he didn't start AB, I said go with T. Higgins, and T. Higgins also did not have a terrible game. Uh, he ended up with right behind Diggs at 15.8 points in full PPR. So not not terrible there. I didn't completely destroy that guy's team. Yeah, I'd say the only thing that 
you missed, and I think I probably wouldn't have said the same thing either, was Devonta Smith being the number one receiver for the Eagles. We'll see if that carries out, but, I mean, he had the most targets and he had the most yards. So I, I think that that was something that we kind of knew he had potential, um, but I wouldn't have assumed he'd be the number one guy the first game. Um, I do think that this game's a little bit of a fluke, so I probably would have given the same advice. I definitely would have said Stephon Diggs because he did lead, lead the Bills in uh, targets. I think that Pittsburgh just actually got themselves together in terms of pass defense and shut him down. Yeah, agreed. Um, so moving on to the next question here is another, well, let's see how I feel about it because this is a standard scoring question, which I mean, I don't mess around with a lot, but it was a standard scoring question, Debo or Cooks? And as we know, Debo went off. He ended up in standard scoring with 22.9 points as the third running back. And then uh, Brandon Cooks ended up at, at the wide receiver uh, 20 with 13.2 points. So uh, about nine point difference. I said that I lean Cooks, but this is super close. Um, can't go wrong either way. And it was not as close as I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of talked about how Cooks kind of surprised everybody um, in terms of the fact that it actually panned out. Um, but yeah, I probably would have given the exact same advice as you. So again, I, I think that we just kind of had several games where people didn't show up when they were supposed to. Um, so I think that, you know, and all in all, I think that we we kind of have a good idea of what should happen the following weeks of the season. Um, there's a lot of issues with guys kind of doing things that, you know, we knew were possible, but it seems like a lot of them just played out all in their favor. For sure. So another wide receiver question, full PPR, Jerry Judy or Corey Davis? I said Corey Davis. Going to toot my horn there, too. Uh, uh, Corey Davis ended up as a number five wide wide receiver for full PPR and Jerry Judy did not even make it into the top 30. So I'm, I'm happy with that pick. I'm glad uh, he had a lot of other responses saying to go Judy. And because of that, that's why I'm like, I feel like I'm going against the grain, but full PPR, who else are they going to throw to in, in New York? Right. I think that the smart pick is always, you know, pick volume over, I guess, ceiling and i think that's what people think of jerry judy they're like oh he's gonna be great he's gonna be great but that doesn't mean he's gonna be the number one choice in fantasy i mean you're assuming that he's gonna dominate in targets in terms of Cortland sutton and no fan we know that, that it's not true so like you said if you're gonna pick anybody pick the guy who's the only guy on that team exactly so this this will be the last one here uh, it was a flex question, 12-team half PPR, so let me fix my score in here. Uh, choose one. Brandon Cooks against Jacksonville, Melvin Gordon against the Giants, Devonta Smith against Atlanta, Jarvis Landry against Kansas City. Um, I told him to go with uh, Jarvis just because I really love Jarvis for, for PPR. So looking at where everyone landed, uh, Jarvis Landry currently the wide receiver 16 in half PPR with 16.9 points. Uh, Brandon Cooks was at uh, wide receiver 20. Melvin Gordon, uh, I don't even see him. I got a Gordon. Oh, there he is. Melvin Gordon, actually at top of that list, he got 19.3 points. So he would have been the one to pick at the moment. And then Smith ended up as, we know he, he had a, a really good game. 
um, but only as the uh, wide receiver 19 with 16.1 points. So pretty close here. Uh, Landry, 16.9. What Gordon got 19.3. So about three-point difference there. So I don't think... You know, that guy had a, a terrible game if he ended up with my pick. Now, the big note here and one that he left, and I'm, I'm glad I kind of got to talk about this on Friday's episode. He said that note that Jarvis could be a double-edged sword because my opponent is starting da- Baker. So it sounded like he was worried about starting Jarvis because his opponent had Baker when it should have been the, the opposite, right? Because no, anytime Baker throws Jarvis the ball, you get further away from your opponent you put more of a spread in there so the example i gave was for a if jarvis catches a one yard pass he gets half a point because it's half ppr and 0.1 for the yard so he gets 0.6 points for that play where baker depending on your scoring would only get 0.04 or 0.05 points so that's a massive gap every time uh baker throws jarvis the ball so that's kind of a, a sneaky little defensive play you can do in fantasy if you're playing against an opponent's quarterback throw in their wide receiver it, it that'll that'll allow some some separation to be made yeah i think you did you know great service to him and requesting you know jarvis landry out of those guys because that's what i would have picked i would assume that what actually happened this game was pretty close and that Cleveland would need to pass the ball. Now, fortunately for Cleveland, you know, Nick Chubb decided to show up, so it made it a little bit easier. But Baker did have 28 attempts for 321 yards, so they did try to throw the ball at least. And I think that Jarvis is that number one guy. Um, Nick Joku led the team in reception yards, but that's only because he had a 43-yard catch. I don't think that outside of that, he's going to ever really take over that core. So I think that Jarvis for the rest of the season should be the number one receiver in Cleveland. Yeah. And I, I expect that as well. You know, a lot of people may think OBJ is going to be the guy and OBJ was inactive today. So that might be why Jarvis got the work. It might be the reason Njoku got the work. Um, so I think it still remains to be seen if um, Odell comes back, if he's going to, you know, be force fed the ball because we all know last year when they tried doing that, tried force feeding Odell the ball, they played worse. Um, when Odell was actually gone, they had a better team because they didn't feel the need to to get him targets. You know, he didn't demand them, which made them a better team. Yeah, for sure. It's always good when you have a more balanced offense and you're not forcing it to the guy that everybody expects you to force it to. So I agree with you on that. Awesome. So that's going to do it for this episode, Pat. I'm really happy to have you back um, for this week. It's it's going to be nice that I'm not going to lose my voice every single time and feel like I'm talking to myself. So glad you're back. And, you know, if you want to follow us, we're at quite a few places. You can check us out on Twitter at SWTN underscore podcast. We're also on Instagram at sleeping with the numbers, all one word. And of course, on YouTube, uh, you still have to look us up by the search. It is sleeping with the numbers. Um, Hopefully we will get that uh, unique URL at some point. Uh, If you want to follow our model picks, we are on Action Network. The links are going to be in the descriptions. Uh, We're able to listen to anywhere you can find podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, um, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. And... Finally, uh, we do have a website, sleepingwiththenumbers.com. Check it out. I'm working on it pretty much every single day, uh, trying to make it better. We have our 
bets up there. We have um, DFS lineups for the week that are free for you guys. We have our fantasy rankings. Um, it, it, it's good. Give it a look. Uh, we hope it helps you out. And we will see you next time on Wednesday when we go over model picks for week two. <laughs>